0: hey everybody welcome back to engage on umfm 101.5 these are your hosts Josue DeVee and Kate Jones, we hope you enjoyed our episode last week. Today we're back and we're speaking to Lynn from a very special place called Spence Neighborhood Association. SNA is a community multi-resource center that's located in the Spence neighborhood at 430 Langside. They do a ton of great things for the community, including working towards revitalizing the surrounding area, providing resources and education to some of Winnipeg's most vulnerable. They offer education and resources and housing, bringing community connections, as well as important work regarding open spaces in the environment. They specialize in many things including recently partnering with Sakiwe Festival last weekend to bring a community concert to families and youth. So without further ado, Lynn, you can go ahead and introduce yourself and a little bit about your role.
1: Hi guys, thanks for that intro. That was great. Yeah, my name is Lynn House-Barr and I'm the executive director of Spence Avery Association. Really, I'm the least important person at my organization, but all the frontline staff are so inspirational and and a really awesome crew and we couldn't do all the cool things that we do without them. I've been with SNA since 2013 and have had like many, many different roles Um, in my time here. I started uh, working in the youth drop-in, the after-school youth drop-in, where we do like a meal and safe ride and have activities for kids 12 to 18 um, in the evening hours. We still run that program now. And then I moved to uh, manage the 24-hour safe space for youth uh, known as v 24 That happens at um, of 4.30 Langside side uh, every night from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. We do a pretty awesome dinner and a pretty awesome breakfast and give youth who don't have a safe place to go somewhere to be in the overnight hours. And then I came back from uh, maternity leave um, last year to be the director of operations and then became the executive director shortly after that
0: super awesome super awesome well glad to have you on the podcast we're excited to hear and learn more about what Spence does I've been connected with Spence for a little bit and yeah you're coming up on I guess close to nine years now working there I guess one of my first questions would be what keeps you coming back to a place like Spence neighborhood and what keeps you you know working in this community
1: that's a great question um, first of all, I should say that we were really honored to have you perform this weekend at Sakiway and you killed it. You did so great. And I think you inspired a lot of youth. So, But that is kind of connected to my answer, I think, in like Spence. This community really has my heart and was home for me for a long, a long, long time. And uh, I'm mean, just the hops skip a jump away. A <laughs> little separation between like, work and home was good. But I think for me, there's a lot of diversity in what we do at Spence. So everything from like growing cool tomatoes to like really awesome youth employment programs to advocating for like houseless relatives. Um, there's just, there's like something different to be done every day. No shortage of, of work, but there's like no two days are the same. And being a community organization, like we represent, you know, renters and homeowners and anyone who like works, lives, volunteers, plays in this neighborhood, anyone who considers this neighborhood to be their home base. And so um, that just brings a lot of creative space to be able to do all the things and and I think like here at SNA one thing that I really love about it is that it's we don't have a set kind of path for like what we want the work to be we really let community members kind of dictate what happens here and take a lot of like ownership in that so I don't consider myself to be like you know where my my board members are my boss I consider every single person in the community to be my boss and so all ideas are like valuable and all ideas are good. And we have a, a little more resources maybe than the average person to actually make their ideas reality. And so that's what keeps me here. That's what keeps me coming back because I like that kind of creative ability to just like do whatever the people want to and sort of work on it and make it happen. And We2Four is a prime example of that. Uh, we Too Four was just like a community member had an idea that they wanted to see an overnight safe space for youth. They basically knocked on the door of Spence Neighborhood Association and we said that's a great idea let's make it happen and it took a couple years but we all like you know kind of hustled to make it come together and now we four is like a real project it's been open for five years and uh and this year we were able to go seven nights a week being open so it's really cool to see those projects just come from like a neighborhood idea to reality and be a part of kind of building them up.
2: Absolutely amazing story that's really great to hear. What kind of impact has the past nine years working here had on you personally?
1: To be honest, it has completely changed, like, who I am as a person. It's been a pretty revolutionary, um, like, time for me because I didn't always see, like, the power in those ideas. I didn't always see, yeah, people kind of picking up, you know, the, the, like, each strand of a braid almost needs to be woven by a different person to make something really strong, right? And so when we have a community of people all pulling in one direction, it's really amazing to see like what is possible. And I didn't always sort of see it that way. I thought maybe that there was like, you know, some authority person was going to swoop in and make a good decision and that was going to benefit people. And like, I got really frustrated in my 20s, kind of like hoping for better from maybe it was like politicians or... You know, people that seem like they had authority and power to make big community changes, and and those things sort of never really coming to fruition. A lot of like broken promises to community, and I think that like for me in the last nine years, I've just seen so much um, good, almost like in the move in the opposite direction like people really pushing their politicians to make those decisions on their behalf and really like standing true and holding true and in, in their power and in their voice standing together and supporting one another and i i know now that like that's actually the only way we're ever going to do anything good is if we like stand together uh on the line as a community and say like we won't tolerate less yeah i think that there's just like a lot of power in that a lot of beauty in that so for for me that's over the course of the nine years, I, I didn't come to Spence believing that and I, I have like grown into that over the time that I've been here.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Super cool to hear. And so like if somebody was coming to access Spence for their resources, it's just like a walk-in, right? They can walk into uh, either of the locations and just sort of poise their questions.
1: Yeah, we have a couple different locations now. Um, so we have the office uh, at 615 Ellis, and so that in pre-COVID was a drop-in that we had open uh, every afternoon. During this COVID period, we've moved most of those operations and and kind of the drop-in aspect over to the Magnus Recreation Center that's known as the Merc here in the West End uh, at 430 Langside. And so that just is a larger space, so it's easier to kind of distance in there and be safe um, with all the concerns around COVID-19. So that's space is still open. And then we also have some offices uh, more specifically for youth employment in the basement of the West End Commons, uh, which is just at the corner of Maryland and St. Matthews, kind of in the little trifecta corner, McGee, Maryland, St. Matthews. And so those are our the three kind of hubs here in the West End. But we're also the backbone organization for Central Neighborhoods, which is at 231 Isabel. And so that has like a harm reduction distribution and um, some drop-in space as well uh, for those communities that are more, more around Central Park.
0: Nice, nice. That's awesome. And so, you know, being in the West End and Isabel and some of these neighborhoods, you're directly involved with working with some of Winnipeg's most vulnerable people, most affected people, whether it be from colonialism, from other things, intergenerational trauma, just things that affect some of the most vulnerable people. What's it like being a frontline worker and working with some of these people?
1: That's a great question. I mean, so I feel a little bit more distanced from the frontline in my current role, but like truthfully, I really miss that frontline um, component. And and I think the frontline staff of not, not just SNA, not just SNA by a long shot, but of these types of organizations have just done like such amazing work through this uh, pandemic period, while lots of other people were just, you know, opening up their laptops at home and and kicking it there like we didn't close our doors and we did actually like more work and kept things open <laughs> more and and we're not the only organization that did that and even just some of our friends here in the west end like Western in user center or resource assistance for youth like all those organizations have really just stepped up and done like really incredible things um, through this pandemic to like support those folks that you're talking about but I think that like there's sort of two two sides to this like you know when you're in relationship with people um, you just see like who they are and their the beauty of like each individual person their ability to connect and and build relationships and so when I think about the youth that I'm really close with that have come to the week before space like some things I think about is like you know kids ask me to like read them bedtime stories and like how sweet they are and I think that there's like publicly for people that don't work in this sector I think that there's this belief that like these youth are hard or they're tough or something and like yeah certainly there's that but when you get to know people ultimately like everyone just wants like love and care and everyone wants to be like treated with respect right and so if you can kind of get through some of the tough exterior like that's what you see and that's what really like moves your heart when you do this work is that you see that there's just a lot of beauty in every single person and then on the other hand it's also like incredibly frustrating work because when you get to know these folks and you get to know their stories you just see so much system failure whether that's like you know the CFS system or like residential schools and 60 scoop and whether that's just like, you know, we we've had 150 agencies. It feels like in Winnipeg, just, shouting from the rooftops that like, if we don't do something about housing, we're going to be in a housing crisis. People like Kelly Holmes and other kind of leaders in our community have been saying that for 20 years, and we haven't done anything. And so now we see these impacts of like poor decision making for a long, a long, long time. And uh, it's frustrating to see, you know, people who are 20 years old be failed by systems that have been around long, way, way, way longer than their. are life even and so I feel really tired of like you know listening to the news and hearing about a quote-unquote meth crisis or this crisis or that crisis when like really the crisis is like these systems have been failing people for far too long and like we could have done more about it and we didn't. And, and that's sort of what has brought us to a place where we have kids that are accessing a safe space in a community center asking for staff to read them bedtime stories instead of being connected to their families. And on one hand, it's very beautiful to see, to build those relationships. And on one hand, it's really sad because um, we're really failing folks.
2: Yeah, that's a very profound perspective, for sure. I was curious, with your connection, I imagine you probably would have a good perspective on this. Say all barriers that you currently experience at Spence were lifted, be it funding, staffing, you know, anything. What would be the main priority to go do from there?
1: I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty big believer in Housing First, <laughs> and so... Uh... I think if if I was just living like you know my little community dream came to fruition. I think that folks would have access to barrier-free housing if that's their hope and, and that they would be able to kind of do the things in in within their housing that lots of house folks do. Maybe that's, you know, have a, have a drink after work or whatever, but there's lots of these places that even that's not something that you're allowed to do, right? So I, I think that having housing that meets people's needs is really critical. What we see for folks who have been living like kind of rough sleeping or folks that have been living in, in a way that sort of challenges the norm is that they're actually very used to living in community. They're very used to living with other people. It's very hard to house someone who is used to living maybe like in a tent community with many, many people and then move them into an apartment where maybe they live alone or just one other person. So I think that there's some things like that, like communal housing and housing models that offer people a little bit more uh, in the way of connection. That would be a really like a beautiful addition to our neighborhood. And people have been asking for that and fighting for that for a really long time. So that would be kind of my top... Um, among my top priorities for sure. And I think the other thing in our neighborhood that I would like to see is like just better food security overall. Um, So maybe that could be achieved through something like universal basic income or other initiatives that just have you know more money for folks and and maybe that's you know more community gardens and some other things but one thing that we noticed during this pandemic especially when schools close is that we have a lot of folks in our neighborhood that depend on like school breakfast programs, school lunch programs and then maybe their kids are eating at an after school program like what we have at SNA. Uh, so when schools close and those programs close, you know if you have even just one kid and and they're eating three meals a day like either at school or a community center, that's 15 meals that needs to come out of your cupboard and out of your Fridge that you might not have been anticipating uh, pre COVID. And, you know, we have families in our neighborhood that are four, five, six, seven kids, and even then some, right? So if you're talking about, you know, three meals a day, five days a week per kid, that adds up quite a lot. And so we saw, you know, we knew we had food security issues in our neighborhood pre pandemic, but I think that this uh, pandemic has really (laughs) exasperated that issue. So for me, I would just really like to see, you know, there's no reason in our in our city in our community that we should have hungry kids hungry families hungry people and i think that that's like really i would just in my perfect world <laughs> if spence had all the money in the world and what i would do is give it to people so that they could feed them feed their families
2: so if you were able to start lifting the biggest barriers that spence experiences what would need to go into that to make that happen what would that look like? Well, I think
1: the the biggest challenges that we face as an organization actually have like very little to do with us, right? It's kind of like what, even what Cade was mentioning before is like we have a ton of people in our community that are deeply impacted by colonialism and things like that, that like, you know, are people that are, that are just really struggling with barriers to systems that exist, you know? So I think that we could do a better job, a much better job of making those systems easier to access for folks and reducing some of the like pressure and stress that we put on people unnecessarily right like we really really need to revamp our child welfare system we really need to revamp what we're doing around you know mental health and addictions and things like that uh, there's a lot of barriers for people who are sh- who are struggling with both of those things. Uh, if you're someone who uses substances and you try to access services, you might be told that you're, you need to figure out your mental health piece first. And then if you try to access mental health services, they'll tell you that you need to figure out your substance use issues first. And you can get really caught in, in between these kind of systems, right? And so those things are the challenges that we're kind of dealing with the fallout from and trying to deal with the fallout from those things in a good way. But ultimately, flipping those systems around so that they have less barriers and we do a lot for organizations like ours and really lessen our load and make it easier for us to help people get what they need out of you know what what our tax dollars are paying for it's frustrating to see these like civic budgets and and provincial budgets and federal budgets that have a lot of money set aside to you know run a smooth EIA office when people on the ground floor know that it hasn't been working for folks for a really long time and that's to say nothing of like you know the police budget and things like that so i think that there are spaces where where we can do better and and that we haven't done enough but like ultimately for us as an agency we're up against those same struggles we're on year to year funding packages right we're on you know very limited kind of resources but i think in a way that you know, that's also sort of like makes us who we are. It's a little nitty gritty, you know, and, uh, and we take we take that kind of like ability to do things really well on a shoestring. Like we take that and wear it like a badge of honor. And I hope that we're showing some of these systems how much better they could do. They have so much more than us. And they are really bad at what they do a lot of the time. And there's a lot of organizations that have very little that are really killing it out here. And so they could learn a thing or two, I think, for like, you know, how to run a budget and how to do things in a better way. So, yeah, it would be nice to have more money. But ultimately, I think it's, you know, we don't let that stop us from doing good work.
2: Yeah, that
0: makes much sense. Yeah,
2: definitely. How would you say for the average person listening or just any, any member of our community... Like what would be a good way for the average person to try to contribute to lowering these barriers just in their own life, like obviously there's organizations like your own and others that are doing this kind of work, but for people who maybe don't have any kind of direction, but just feel inclined to Mm -hmm. help their community, what would be a way to start?
1: I think honestly that the the best thing that like average folks can do is is learn (laughs) if these issues or things that I'm mentioning right now are things that like spark an interest for you but you don't know much about it like join a committee if you have the time and space to be able to do that right like and that that you know I I don't consider folks who are just like you know trying to make ends meet and, and surviving like many 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 folks in our community are doing like do what you need to do to care for yourself and your family first and foremost and if you have time and space after that after you do those things then like yeah join a committee join a board learn about some of these things if you know if uh get involved in the area that you're passionate about and find a way to like use your voice and use your privilege because like I said at the beginning you know if you stand together with community there's like a lot of power in that and so the more folks that get involved and get engaged the easier it is to make these things happen even today I was on a call that had like a firefighter and two city workers and all this and they're talking about encampments but like none of those people were on the call when we were talking about housing you know and it's like well i don't want to hear you talking about encampments if that's your issue then join the housing committee if you think that you know you're upset about something or whatever you're seeing some issue in your community i think the best thing you can do is get involved find out why and sing from the same song sheet as they say or join in with the choir because the more voices the more power that we have
0: totally agree with that uh and yeah you guys are doing incredible work as you mentioned before just you know with the with the kind of limited resources compared to the bigger budgets that the city throws around uh, the amount of work that is put into the community and the impact that's made is, is absolutely incredible. So with, um, with COVID-19, I mean, it's already been a long time. It seems like, you know, forever that this pandemic's been going on. There is higher numbers in people getting vaccinated now, uh, people getting more resources and people getting more information on vaccinations. So hopefully things are starting to open up sooner. I know we're getting some more events and things uh, now being allowed to be hosted. But I'm interested in hearing kind of at the beginning of that pandemic, what was that transition like? What were, what were some of the biggest challenges that went on there?
1: I mean... There were challenges abound, right? Like cha- there everything was a challenge. Nonprofits are not known for being super tech savvy. And we were not, uh, you know, having regular Zoom meetings or things necessarily weren't online. That's not really our wheelhouse. And so we had a lot to do just to figure that out. Also, like most... Of these nonprofits like there is no person sitting around just like waiting to write policy so we really had to like you know hustle to make sure that we were doing everything right and, and learning but you know most of the leaders of these organizations or you know whether that's management or, or ed or whatever it's like most of us came up from being outreach workers so we're not doctors right? you know we really had a lot to learn and and to do it quickly but I also think that like that time was really energizing for me anyways, in a way it was, I think like when the going gets tough, the tough get creative. Right. And so I felt like a big surge of creative energy to just like, try to make those like pivots happen that needed to happen and and meet people's needs um, in the best way that we could. And so I, I think not just me, but also my entire staff team were like, okay, Let's get to work. <laughs> we got stuff to do. And we, we there's no time to whine. There's no time to complain. There's no time to uh, like mope about it. Like this is serious and we need to find our way. And so that was like, it was really beautiful, I think, to see people really pull together in that way and and people willing to go the extra mile to make things happen um, and make things come together. But I do think that like, it's very frustrating. So like you asked more so about the beginning of the pandemic and that is sort of, you know, I think how we felt at the beginning when we were like, you know, flattening the curve or whatever we were being told to do. But since then, I think the, the provincial government has played pretty fast and loose with like people's health and you know opening up and closing and pulling mandates that we know help people and so it's been frustrating to have done all this uh creative work and then kind of have it undone and be sort of asked to pivot back and pivot again and pivot here and pivot there so I think that there's a little bit of you know it feels a little lackluster now (laughs) this uh kind of creative energy that we started with and and I, I I just I wish that, uh, you know, we would proceed with caution or just like, you know, do things a little slower and and give kind of updates, make those changes in ways that are responsible. And it's been a little challenging, I think, to see, to watch our government make kind of irresponsible decisions with people's health and be asking a lot from these organizations that have already put all this creative energy into things to keep trying to find new ways and find new ways and One day it's open, one day it's closed. That's, it's, it's difficult to keep pivoting through this. So yeah, I think the early pandemic days were, we were inspired by the challenge. And now we feel a little, we watched a lot of people get evicted and we watched a lot of people get kicked off EIA and and we're seeing more numbers now for things like overdoses. And so it's difficult to feel like we're kind of coming to the end, but there's lots of broken pieces around us that now it feels like community's job to pick that up too.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's very frustrating, very emotional with such a direct connection to, Can't be easy to see any of that going on. Is there any way, any direct way that any of our listeners um, are able to support you guys to be able to help y'all do what you do?
1: yeah I think like I said learning is the best thing that folks can do you know following along on social media those types of things we occasionally do call outs for things that we need um sometimes it's like mittens and toques and you know sometimes it's shampoo and and we sort of have a rolling list of the of the things that we need and can use support with getting but I do want to say that there's like you know there's a lot of beautiful stories here I don't want to be just like a Debbie Downer complaining about everything but you know we've seen a lot of really amazing things happen um in the time that I've been here. And like one one thing that's been really great is we've been delivering packages to youth since April of 2020 weekly uh, for them to be able to cook a meal for their families and we've had youth like really develop their cooking skills over this time and take a lot of pride in the food that they're putting on their table for their family and we've had a lot of guardians and parents reach out to us and say that that's like really shifted how their kid feels about themselves and how they're able to provide for their family too and and I think that that's just like you know one example of really special things that have happened that we've been able to do by just like there's a lot of beauty in those pivots (laughs) and uh i don't want to like overlook those things so yeah there's a lot of ways that people can get involved in and help out and our social media is generally the place for that
0: that's awesome that's incredible to hear and is there anything coming up uh in the foreseeable future that you wanted to i guess plug in or let the people let our viewers know about that might be coming around
1: Yes, for sure. We are super excited. We're just on the verge of opening a community greenhouse. Uh, it's right at the corner of Wellington and Maryland. Uh, the construction should be finished in around the next 30 days. So we're looking forward to doing a ribbon cutting and, and welcoming folks to access the greenhouse and be able to use space there to kind of like enhance this Zone 3 growing season that we live in here in, in Winnipeg 31. And uh, so we're really excited um, to open that greenhouse. And one really cool thing use that word going to have youth growing uh, their own um, produce in there to be able to develop um, a salsa so actually there's a whole bunch of youth in my office here right now that are testing some salsas from various restaurants around the west end and thinking about what kind of things they want to grow to be able to recreate some of those salsas so hopefully they're going to develop their own salsa and turn it into a little social enterprise where people can purchase that so those are some two things that are on the horizon and then one additional thing is that we are in a couple of days here we're going to start a little toque fundraiser so folks can purchase SNA branded toques and it's like purchase one and then give one so for every toque that's purchased it will be um, like warm winter gear Uh, folks that need it throughout the winter. So this is kind of the time of year that we need to start thinking about those minus 40 nights. They come quick and the planning and preparation for that is already on for us. So yeah, mittens, toques, boots, socks, those are the kind of things that we purchase with those additional dollars. So look out for that fundraiser
2: absolutely yeah everyone go pay attention and go follow spence neighborhood association on all social medias um they have a website as well so go check them out to stay involved and updated on what they've got going on lynn one thing we'd like to do on our show as we wrap up is see if our guests would like to pick the song that would air following the show
1: Ooh, interesting well i i just heard Cade perform on the weekend and i have been uh like humming along to those tunes. So anything by Kate Jones works for me. (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: Awesome. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Sounds good. We'll make it happen. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry
1: if that's a weird request. Not at all.
2: (laughs) No way. No, that's great. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come and speak to us here. This has been really great. Really appreciate you doing this.
1: Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me and, and reaching out and, uh, and just supporting our work and, you know, being good, being good partners and good neighbors and good, uh, good members. Really appreciate that. And uh, we'll see you around the hood.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you have our support uh, the full way. And I'm sure our viewers will learn a lot from this one and they'll love it. So we hope you have a good afternoon.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, guys.
0: Thanks. Yeah, thank you. One. This has been Engage on UMFM 101.5 with your hosts, Kay Jones and Josue DeVee. You were listening to Lynn from Spence Neighborhood Association. Tune in at 4 p.m. next Thursday for our next guest. And right after this, you'll be hearing Nine Circles, our previous guest from last week. Thank you, everybody. Peace.
2: Hey, guys. This is Joshua from Engage, here with Cade Jones, and we have a brief little message for you guys.
0: Hey, everybody. This is just a small public service announcement that recent allegations have surfaced about our previous episode, Spence Neighborhood, and a little bit of harm that has been done to some community members. We were unaware of this harm, and we were only aware and are aware of the good SNA has done for the community, which is still a large portion. But we do encourage everybody to support the community and take away from this episode what you can in terms of the good SNA has done for the community. And it's also important that the community holds accountable the people that are in power so we can move forward in productive ways. Please take what you can from the episode and as well consider listening to the voices in our community who
1: have been affected negatively by some of those in leadership positions. Thanks so so much
2: thanks guys bye